screen door slams Mary's dress waves Like a vision she dances across the porch as the radio plays Roy Orbison singing for the lonely Hey, that's me and I want you only Don't turn me home again I just can't face myself Welcome, welcome, one and all, on this chilly Tuesday morning to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. We're online at KCOU.FM. Just give that blue box a click and listen live wherever you are on this good planet Earth. My name is Kyle Jones, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Cole Tucson. Cole, how is it going? Hey, uh, I say this, feel like I say this on every show, but... You know, definitely is a chilly morning right now, but, you know, a lot of sports talk about, you know, Mizzou is playing, you know, fourth-ranked Kentucky tonight at Mizzou Arena, so going to be previewing that, but, you know, we cap an all-star weekend and just a bunch of other sports to go around. Yeah, definitely lots to talk about, uh, and yeah, we're going to try to not die of tuberculosis here. Uh, that came out yesterday. Uh, are, are you scared at all, Cole? Um, no, personally, um, not scared, I know. Uh, you were, you and I were talking about um, a little bit yesterday, last night. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's you know, it's a contained case. I think we'll all be fine. Uh, but that won't stop me from you know, germexing the heck out of my entire body for the rest of the month. Uh, but you know, that's a good practice anyway. So we're gonna get right into actual sports talk right after the break. So stay tuned. Sundays at 9 a.m., it's the weekly walkthrough. Tune in to KCOU 88.1 FM to hear Ethan Salm and Nick Catlin recap everything that happened in the world of sports this week. Start your Sunday off right with the weekly walkthrough. Follow us on Twitter at Weekly Walk KCOU for updates on the show. And remember to tune in to KCOU 88.1 at 9 a.m. on Sundays. And welcome back to, K- to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. We have some uh, some basketball to talk, talk about. So let's first talk about the NBA, Cole. What did you think of that All-Star game? You know, I personally, you know, really liked, you know, All-Star Weekend, the three-point contest. The fact that Joe Harris, who was second in the league in three-point percentage, won a three-point contest, and he almost didn't even get invite, is crazy to me, the dunk contest. There's some, you know, pretty nice dunks, I know. That, uh, the, 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 the Diallo dunk where he jumped over Shaq and then did the, uh, the Vince Carter, you know, hunt, you know, honey dip dunk. That was, that was nice. Oh, yeah, I, you know, no one was, I don't think any of us were expecting that. Uh, you know, three-point contest, of course. You know, your pick, Steph Curry, he put up a fight, but in the end, Joe Harris, you know, took the crown. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. Um, but, uh, you know, credit to, credit to Harris, he came out and showed up. Uh, had 12, made 12 straight shots in the final round, which, of course, propelled him to victory in the three-point contest. You know, you got to be happy if you're him. Uh, what do you think about Jason Tatum winning the, uh, winning the skills contest? That was crazy. That was something that I don't think anyone's expected. Like the fact that you won off a half court shot against Trey Young. That's something that people are going to remember forever. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those like, you know, real highlight moments that you, when you think back to really big moments in the all-star game, you think about the Vince Carter dunk, you think about, uh, the, the, uh, uh, Levine, you know, and everything that he did. 
Uh, I, I think, you know, D- D- Michael Jordan dunking from the free throw line. I think we'll, we'll look back at that half-court heave, heave from Tatum and be like, that's that's what the All-Star game needs, you know? Like, that's that's the sort of entertainment that we've wanted. What about the, you know, All-Star game where some of the moments Steph Curry did the bounce pass lob to Giannis? That bounce pass lob, I, I hope... It, it won't happen because, you know, people actually play defense in the regular season. But I hope and I pray to God that that pops up in the regular season because that would be so cool to see where, you know, people would just, you know, go down the court and then suddenly, you know, out of seemingly nowhere, bounce pass into crazy slam. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, Kevin Durant won you know, MVP and, you know, good to him and everything, but how about Dirk coming out and hitting some crazy three-point shots in his last you talk about, all-star game? You talk about Dirk hitting three-point shots. How about Dwayne Wade with the, uh, the, the, the recreating that old Miami Heat moment where he lobbed it off the backboard and then LeBron came in and jammed it? That was hot. That was definitely hot, but, I mean, some of those threes by Dirk, man. They were good. He still got range. Um, of course, you know, he wasn't being really guarded at all, you know. Like, most of this stuff was uncontested. Uh, but he still sank him. I mean, James Harden also had quite a couple, quite a few three points where he just, you know, did the old Harden step back and absolutely just, you know, nailed it. Damian Lillard hit back-to-back half-court heaves. Yeah, I mean, that's... When a guy can hit back-to-back from half-court, that right there is just insane, you know? And I remember I tweeted this on Twitter. I was I said that obviously, in my opinion, Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time, and he, in my opinion, is top five players of all time. And I was wondering where Dirk landed on my list. In my opinion, he is top ten, top fifteen of all time. Oh, I put him higher. I put him solid in the top ten. He's he's incredibly good, especially from three. Plus, he's got the physical presence to get in deeper if he really needs to, you know? So where does he rank? My main question is, where does he rank in comparison to Tim Duncan? I'd put him maybe at, like, four, maybe even three. He's, I have him high up on my list. And that's coming from a guy who, you know, I, I am not at all a fan of the Mavericks, as you as you should know, you know? But I have so much respect for Dirk Nowitzki, and I think he's a wonderful player and a wonderful leader of men. If I had to, you know, we we saw Jason Kidd give coaching a try, and he's not that good. But if I had to choose one current player who I'd want to be my coach, I might just go with Dirk, you know? He has a wealth of experience both in the NBA and abroad, he knows how to lead younger teams. He knows how to how to play with older teams. He's won NBA championships. Like, I don't see why why you would not want that. He's got the credentials. You bring up a solid case now. I guess you kind of brought up with championship rings and everything. <laughs> Should people consider championship rings when you consider like? Greatest of all time, I think, because obviously... I think so. You know, some of the greatest of all time don't ever reign. Like, for example, John Stockton, in my opinion, is the second greatest point guard in NBA history right behind Magic Johnson. You know, you ran Vince Carter. Yeah. Steve Nash hasn't won a ring yet. Well, 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 at all. I I think, you know... Chris Paul. At some point, we'll bring up James Harden, because I don't think the Rockets are winning a ring anytime soon. You know? But... James Harden definitely has an argument for being one of one of the great three-point shooters, you know? Maybe not the greatest three-point shooter, but he is definitely one of the great ones. I think the greatest three-point shooter goes down to Steph Curry. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really do agree. I mean, that guy can hit it from the logo with, like, you know, really no trouble, which is insane to me, you know? Like, that takes some superhuman skill right there. You know, it's one thing to hit him from from distance like once or twice, you know, but he hits them consistently from outrageous distances, which to me is like just dang. 
Like, just dang, you know? So, the NBA All-Star Weekend was hosted in Charlotte. Next year is being hosted in Chicago. Yeah, it's your town. You got to go back up and see it. I would sure hope so, but I want to do everything I can, but don't get my hopes up. I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that tickets are outrageously expensive, but at the same time, I think it could be worth it to take the weekend trip. It's one of the only times where it's going to be a sold out crowd in the United Center. Yeah. Because obviously the Bulls right now aren't bringing sold out crowds. The Blackhawks, yeah, they've seen better years. I definitely agree. So, apparently, and I, I didn't catch up on any of this, apparently uh, part of All-Star Weekend was almost solely devo- devoted to Michael Jordan. The whole thing was Jordan Week, which I guess makes sense with him, you know, owning the Hornets. But so we go from Jordan Week in Charlotte to now having the All-Star Weekend in Chicago. Are we just going to have another Jordan week? Because I feel like if we're going to honor Chicago All-Stars, you you know, we would be remiss to not honor his airness. If you're going to honor Jordan in Charlotte for owning the Charlotte Hornets, but you're not going to honor him in In Chicago Chicago where he's known for, the greatest (laughs) player of all time, that just seemed a little weird to me. And especially, I think that we should honor him in Washington, D.C. for his time with the Wizards. No, I mean, it's honestly, like, let's bring up an argument of a player that everyone considers either higher or lower than Jordan, LeBron James. Let's just say, you know, one year All-Star Weekend is hosted in Cleveland. In Cleveland. Or in Miami. Yeah, maybe Cleveland. Yeah, maybe Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, they definitely do a LeBron week there, I imagine. No, I think they wouldn't do it till after LeBron retires. Because yeah. I don't think you'd have LeBron running around actually playing on All-Star Weekend and then, like, you know, have, have like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, this whole week honoring him as he's just running around. Like, it just doesn't really make too much sense. It will happen eventually, though. It will. I agree. Uh, he'll, he'll definitely get his own week. He could get his own month. I mean, just how much you know, how much glory is heaped upon the man, you know? I, if he ever wins the championship with the Lakers, I think, you know, Los Angeles probably dedicates an entire road to him, you know? I mean, they already dedicated a whole wall to him with that graffiti paint, but then covered it up. Yeah, well, the only reason they covered that mural up was because people were going out and publicly vandalizing it. Which I didn't, I didn't ever understand when when LeBron first got into LA, and still now, there's a very large contingent of people in Los Angeles who are like, I don't want him. Yeah, well, I can tell you the reason. Since you know, I once I grew up in LA, but you know, I lived there for a few years. I can tell you the main reason. It's because people remember the glory days of Kobe Bryant and LeBron has a long way to go to surpass what Kobe did in his career in the Lakers. That's the main reason why people don't follow LeBron right now. I think, you know, I think if LeBron leads them to a championship, that's all he needs to do. He just needs to do one. I know Kobe got a lot more than that, but all he needs to do is get one with Los Angeles. It's been a while since the Lakers have been truly good. I think if he can restore that whole Showtime Lakers ideal, right, then then he will gain the affections of the entirety of that city who aren't Clippers fans. Though, to be fair, if you're living in Los Angeles, why would you ever root for the Clippers? You know? They, they had, for so many years, a, a racist, homophobic owner who was a turd to players and a turd to people. He finally got taken out. And I think, isn't he in prison now? I've not heard anything about Don Sterling since the incident. I know that he had, there was talk about him getting imprisoned. Uh, but that surprised me. But anyway, so, so Sterling's gone now, and, and you know, so obviously they were able to get rid of that. But even then, like they traded their best player in, in Blake Griffin, and then they traded Chris Paul away. I mean, there's nothing to root for on that franchise. Um, frankly, you know that I know the NBA is considering expansion. I know that Seattle's in the mix. 
Um, I would be of the mind to ship the Clippers up to Seattle and just revive the Supersonics. You're not the only person who has mentioned disbanding the Clippers since with LeBron now, L.A. is pretty much... It's a one-town team. I mean, LeBron right. LeBron gets the headlines, he gets the TV time. And with the, the Clippers having no stars and no success, like, what's the point, you know? It's like it's like the Phoenix Suns. After after Steve Nash left, you know, after he retired, there's not much of a point to the Phoenix Suns, right? Like it's a small market team in the middle of a desert that no one cares about. They're not that good. Unless they could go out and get a truly like brilliant player to revive that franchise and maybe even get them in the conversation for playoffs. I don't see why we have the Phoenix Suns. You know, I think the Phoenix Suns are in a different boat where they have young core. They just need a long time to develop. Exactly. With Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, Bridges. Like Booker could be good, but I, I, I fear that he gets he gets traded before he fully develops into an actual star. Either that or like he gets injured or something. I just fear for the worst for the Suns because I, I've, I've come to expect it from them. You know? But interesting thought, you know, going back to what you were saying before, how in order for LeBron to surpass all of, you know, Kobe did in his 20 years, LeBron just has to win one ring. That's interesting. That's something that ESPN's debating about ever since LeBron first joined the Lakers is what does LeBron need to do to surpass what Kobe did? I think especially with the core he's got. I mean, he has nobody. Kobe, Kobe essentially had a, had a super team, you know. Not he, all the years. Not all the years, but mo- usually when he won championships, it was with the help of some pretty good guys, you know. But like, who does Shaq have? Not Shaq. Say, who does LeBron have? Lonzo Ball. Like that's that's nothing, and Lonzo's probably going to get shipped off somewhere for you know something good. We thought that he'd get Anthony Davis, but apparently that's dead. You know, Pelicans management got fired for that because they didn't I saw, pull the trigger. Yeah. I which I can see why. I see why, but I see why they fired because I feel that with what the Lakers were offering, like it was too good to pass up. That that is that's just dumb to pass up. You know, I know it's Anthony Davis. He's your big guy, but like picks. And half a freaking basketball team. You know? Like, that's insane. I I originally thought that the only thing stopping that deal was cap space. But I think I might be wrong. You know? I mean, the reason why they traded a lot of those players was because they don't take up a lot of cap space. Like, <coughs> if I'm not mistaken, Brain Ingram's contract is, like, two years for, like, 11-something million. So, like... That's not that bad. Yeah. Anyhow, we are going to take a short break. When we come back, more basketball, but this time the Mizzou basketball. So stay tuned. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Every Saturday, Cut the Nets will be live from noon to 1 on KCOU 88.1 FM. Out of quarters of possibility. Jabari Parker's even. You don't want Jabari Jabari Parker. Tune in to KCOU Sports Saturday to listen to David Kuntz, Zach Berman, and Chuck Ryan talk sports. Fun fact of the day, number two. Robert Kraft actually owns like 99% of the city of Foxborough. Catch Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM. Do people care about Evan? I mean, why would the Magic want Evan Turner?
tune into High and Tight with me and my co-host Logan Perone as we catch you up on the latest signings, trades, news, scores, and highlights from around America's pastime. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. on the 88.1 FM stream and on our website, KCU.FM on the Blue Box. Welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM in Columbia. We're online at KCOU.FM. Cole and Kyle here. Uh, Cole, so interesting uh, interesting night tonight for the Tigers. Uh, interesting is f- a good word. Number four ranked Kentucky coming into town. Uh, game's going to be on national television. They've decided to make it a... Uh, a, f- a theme tonight. It's going to be Tiger Jam. So I think that means we're getting a uh, we're getting a, an NBA Jam themed sort of thing, which is cool and all. And I like that they're doing it. And maybe it'll bring people into the arena until you realize that this team is garbage and we're all gonna die. You know. Once again, we keep referencing last year, last year, last year, where Mizzou played, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, was Kentucky was 15th or 18th in the nation, and Mizzou beat Kentucky, Kentucky first time in program history. This is complete, this is complete different circumstances, complete day and night difference. Not only is Kentucky ranked a lot higher, they just beat number one Tennessee, so, in my opinion, Kentucky should be number two in the nation, right behind Duke. It should be Duke, Kentucky, Gonzaga, Tennessee, in my opinion. And then Virginia at five? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So, so uh, not only is Kentucky ranked higher, they just got a quality win. But Mizzou, on the other hand, has nothing to show for themselves yeah. at this point. They're twelve and twelve, three and nine in conference. Uh, their best game, their their best game of the year so far, probably an early win against Xavier, maybe the win against Arkansas last week, but that's a stretch. Kentucky favored by eleven and a half. Uh, so if you're a betting man, I I think I'd take that. I think this is going to be a blowout. Uh, I expect Kentucky to win by like fifteen. Uh, so that's, you know, that's my deal. See, here's my deal here. People always bring up how there's a chance and they reference that Kentucky lost to LSU. That's, that's a very, that's that, that argument's malarkey. Okay. Like, yes, technically, if we're looking at things, there is a chance ESPN claims there is a 12.7 chance of Missouri getting the win tonight. But I'm here to tell you that that's stupid. You know why that's stupid? Because Missouri sucks. We can't hold on to the ball. We leak turnovers. It's maybe the worst turnover team in basketball. You know? Like, I'd love to get some stats up and tell you the like average turnovers per game because... It's obscene how bad they are, you know? That's just one of the many problems with Mizzou this season and just the way that they looked against Ole Miss when they played on Saturday at Ole Miss. It was so bad. They had, like, what, 24 turnovers by the end? Like, in my eyes, if you have more than 10 you're usually doing something incredibly wrong. And these guys double that. And the problem is, this has been going on, not just this season, but last season as well, and they still haven't found a way to correct it. At least by a good amount. They average in total uh, 14.6 turnovers per game. They have 350 turnovers on the season. Geist has 50 by himself. Xavier Pinson has 49. Tillman has 57. I mean, we look at what Tillman's doing. That guy needs to straighten the heck up. Because if he's not turning the ball over, he's probably fouling out. So, come as you players are at 50 turnovers. Let's take a comparison, if you can, at what Kentucky's numbers are for turnovers. 
All right, give me just a second so I can get back to their page. I was I was looking at the Tigers one, so we'll we'll get into the Kentucky stats. I imagine we're gonna see a stark difference between the two. They averaged twelve point eight turnovers a game, which is a little, a little bit high for my taste, but still pretty solid. Three hundred twenty on the season. Uh, their their biggest guy uh, in terms of turnovers is Ashton Hagens with fifty eight. But everyone else is, like, low 40s. Uh, uh, Quay Green, one of their guards, is 21, you know? Like, these guys are pretty decent. Hagens needs to straighten up and fly right. But he counters those 58 turnovers with 53 steals. So, like, okay, yeah, he might turn the ball over, but then he goes and gets it right back, you know? And it wasn't just a when Kentucky played Tennessee and beat them, it wasn't a like a two point win or you know a clutch shot or something. It was pretty emphatic. Like eighty six to sixty nine is a pretty big win, you know. And you bring up the last Mizzou win, which was Arkansas. That came down to the wire. It came down to the wire not because Mizzou played good, but specifically because Mizzou played bad. And the only reason that Mizzou won was because Arkansas played worse. And that's, like, really bad if you're Arkansas, you know? Like, if you're playing worse than Missouri, whoo, you, you must be hot garbage, you know? Like... I feel bad, like I feel bad for Vanderbilt fans, right? Like Vandy's zero and twelve in conference; they're nine and sixteen overall. Like that's bad. And I still think, like, like Mizzou only beat Vandy by ten points in their last meeting. Like you should be slaughtering those guys. So you're saying Kentucky's gonna win by fifteen? I think that's fair. You know? That's a fair opinion, and I guess I'll say my take. Um, Obviously, known for hot takes and bull predictions, but in my eyes, I remember seeing a article, ESP, not ESPN, the SEC put out talking about how Alabama has very slim chances of making March Madness. Mizzou's chances of making March Madness, I think, are completely out the door a long time ago. That ship has That ship sailed. has sailed. I think NIT is even, like, it, 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 like, that's a question right now, is if they'll even make the NIT. Which is crazy and just... Though, though we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, we knew this would... This would truly be the first year of the rebuild. You know, t- two years ago, Mizzou had that, that year where they only won, like, what, nine games? Eight games, four wins in conference. Exactly. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. came in, and last year was a fluke. Clearly. This is truly the first year of the rebuild. It's going to it's gonna continue on to next year, Uh which sucks for Mizzou fans and people who wanted to see the tournament, but we shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you know? See, I'm known for crazy predictions right then, but in my eyes, there's no way Kentucky is going to drop this game against Mizzou tonight. I'm saying Kentucky wins by double digits. I... Appreciates the unanimous argument here. Kentucky's just gonna win. They're gonna win it pretty single-handedly. I would argue. Yeah. What? What's your? What's your? What's your margin? Spreads eleven and a half. What's your margin? How, how much do you think Kentucky's gonna win by? You said fifteen. Yep. I'm gonna say seventeen. Seventeen. All right. I mean, I still think that's that's a fair estimate, you know, which is 
bad if you're Missouri that we we both have kind of agreed that uh you know that's a fair estimate. But my word, like this team is just so bad, you know. And the problem is, obviously, you can talk about the turnovers and everything, but and the team being complete one dimensional as far as scoring everything, but. How do you fit this team? Obviously, it's not going to be an overnight process, but what do you do to fit it? Here's the problem is that they have the talent. The fixing isn't necessarily about getting you know better recruits and whatnot. The, the fixing that this team has to do comes down to philosophy and, frankly, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, it comes down to coaching. Conzo Martin needs to do a better job of teaching these guys how to hold on to the ball, teaching these guys how to get into scoring positions, teaching these guys how to break a freaking press, and teaching these guys how to play better defense. All right? You know? Because even defensively, they're not crazy. Right, like that's a that's one of the parts of their games where I'm like, you know, they're they're okay. The problem is they have to defend the entire game because of all the turnovers, you know, like, and we say this all the time in halftime shows when we when you know when we broadcast games and whatever. Everybody at this at this university says it half the time is that it should be something. You know, it goes along the lines of. Half ends, we should have been down by 20. We're only down by 10. This is crazy. You know? And and that, that chalks up to halfway decent defense. Because, frankly, the, uh, the offensive capabilities are very much lacking. It's just because the offense that Mizzou wants is completely one-dimensional. You just hand off the... Ball to Jordan guys, you waste the entire shot clock, and every now and then you'll Huck hand down th- to Tillman the you, post. You, you, you chuck up a three from range and pray to God that it falls, you know? And half the time it doesn't. And that's the thing where you basically go from guarding, you know, five people on the court constantly to hand defend only two people on the court, which if you're a team like that runs that kind of offense, you're very easy to beat. That's just, it's simple numbers. It you really go from is. a 5v5 to a 5v2. Yep. It doesn't matter how good the other team is. Now, Kentucky is a great team. They'll always be a great team. But even the weakest teams can defend a 5v2 very good. Yeah, that's why, that's why we see a team like Arkansas, who is only about two games better than Missouri, come out and, you know, almost almost come back and win that game. You see a team like Texas A&M, Who's ten and fourteen, doing worse than Missouri, comes in and beats the Tigers sixty-eight to fifty-nine at home. Like this team is so one-dimensional; it's so bad. And I remember we were talking about this last year. We were comparing the men's and the women's women's team, where you know the women's team, great coaching. They're not one-dimensional scoring options. You know, night in, night out, and. They, you know, just like the men's, they sometimes do, you know, get the opportunity to blow leads and everything. But most of the time, every now and then, except for the payout game for his Tennessee on Sunday, most of the time they're still able to get it done, would you say? I would say so, and I'd say, you know, we look at the Tennessee game, and, like, that was winnable. But at the same time, there was so many things that did not go Missouri's way in that game. Uh, and beyond that, I feel that they didn't get the ball to Sophie Cunningham enough. You know, and that's down to just, you know, the, 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 the players on the court, you know, thinking about their, their distribution and things like that. Uh, but either way, I mean, Tennessee's a great basketball team, always has been, you know, especially in the women's game. And... Missouri beat them in Tennessee, and then it was close. It came down to the last point three seconds, you know, in the game over the weekend. 
Uh, and it's unfortunate that the Tigers lost, especially in the fashion that they did with the whole kicked ball controversy. And then, you know, uh, Jordan Chavis taking a dribble and then shooting it from half court after the buzzer and making it. Like, that's a heartbreaker right there. You know? But this team is still one that on any, on any given day, they could beat any team. But at the same time, they could lose to anybody. You know, they're fun to watch, specifically because of the uncertainty that they have. But I'm still, like, confident that they are one of the better teams in the NCAA, you know? I remember before the Tennessee game, after they had just been number four Mississippi State in Starkville, I remember you were saying, <laughs> like, they can match up with teams like UConn, and they would... They wouldn't win, but they give keep them a it fight. Close. Exactly. They keep it close. They always keep it close is, is kind of the, the sort of trend that I've seen. I've never really seen them get blown out by anybody, you know? When they lose, it's because of either A, some, some you know, just crummy call, or B, the, the other, you know, had, had the game lasted about two more seconds, the Tigers would have won, which is the sort of thing you want out of your team. You don't ever want to get blown out. If you have to lose a game, you want to either A, be able to use the refs as a scapegoat, or B, keep it close, you know? So comparing the women's and men's here, you're saying that the women's, you know, match them against a team like UConn, who, of course, like, UConn's literally, like, the best women's team. I mean, Notre Dame is getting up there, but I'm pretty sure UConn is, like, the definitive, like, you know, best team in the nation, you know, year in and year out. Yeah. Mizzou could give them a fight. Whereas in the men's on the other, they play a team like Duke. Oh, they die. Kansas. They they would actually die. Like, like we'd have to hang our heads in shame for the rest of the decade because of how bad they beat us. You know? But I want to look at the women's the women's team once more and just look at the rankings for the women. Uh right now. Missouri is not in the top 25. They missed out by a singular vote. Instead, taking that number 25 slot is the Rice Owls. It's the first time in Rice's history that their women's team has been ranked. Do you think that the Tigers deserve that spot over the Owls? The Owls are 22-3, and three, playing, in the conf- in, playing in Conference USA. Well, if they had beating Tennessee, obviously they would have gotten a ranking because getting back-to-back SEC wins, especially quality, quality conference wins, that'll go a long way for Mizzou. I agree. Uh, Bracketology has Missouri as a seventh seed playing in the South Bend uh, Regional, Uh, which means that their second game, if they win, would currently be against number two-ranked Notre Dame. Like, well, not number two, not number two ranked, but number two seed Notre Dame. They're currently ranked fifth, and they of course have a uh, Arike Ogumbawale, who made some serious headlines last year. Would you be scared uh, if the Tigers had to go up and face Arike Ogumbawale? I mean, it comes back to what you were saying before, how you know this team instills they're fun to watch. It instills confidence. Where, I mean, you say they can, you know give UConn a fight, why can't they give Notre Dame a fight? Obviously, Arike, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce that name. Ogumbawale. You know, if you can give, if Mizzou can give UConn a, you know, a fight, you know, why can't they give Notre Dame a fight? I agree That's with you. That's the way I see it. They might not win that game, but it would definitely be close. It would be entertaining. Interesting to note, as we look at these rankings, South Dakota is ranked number 23. They beat Missouri here at home earlier in the season. So the people who think that Missouri should be in the top 25, I'll tell you what, they probably shouldn't be anywhere higher than 23 at this point. You know? Well, I mean, with rank, how rankings go, especially in college and all sports, you know, you do all have teams where you do beat, but yeah. you do have a higher ranking. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, a breakdown. So uh, stay tuned. If you love them enough to turn off your music. 
and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Whether it be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, one-to-one -one print shop can handle your custom apparel needs. If you need inspiration crafting a design, you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one -one print shop to check out some of their latest work. You can also visit their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. Hey you, you like sports? If you answered yes, make sure to tune in each and every Friday to listen to Mid-Missouri's premier sports talk show, the Hot Corner. From 8 to 9 a.m., tune in on KCOU 88.1 FM or kcou.fm. And we're back on KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM. Last little bit before we, uh, before we go, Cole. Uh, it's getting to the point in the year where I feel it appropriate to talk about bracketology. I feel that we are getting close enough to March that uh, looking at you know how March Madness is shaking up both for the men and the women, uh, there's there's some value in that. So let's start in the men. Our our one seeds at the moment. We have Duke, Virginia, Gonzaga, and Tennessee. Would you agree? You know that's a fair argument, and honestly, you know, I was talking about how, in my opinion, actually no, is Kentucky up there for number one? Kentucky is not a number one seed currently. They are currently the number two seed in the South. <laughs> I mean, fair argument, but in my opinion, I would swap out Virginia and Kentucky. In my opinion, I agree with that. I agree that Kentucky should go over Virginia. Uh, especially after the win against Tennessee. Uh, let's see. Our number two seeds, Michigan, Kentucky, as we said before, North Carolina, and Michigan State. I think that's a fair assessment of the number two seeds. All right. We have our three seeds. We have, let's find them, Marquette, Purdue. We have Kansas and the University of Houston. Whose house? Coog's house. I'm glad you brought up Houston because, you know, or if I'm not mistaken, they're currently They're the only, only one-loss team in the NCAA. Only currently one-loss team. I'm pretty sure if they're not mistaken, they're sits. I believe the they're ranked sixth. I believe they're ranked sixth. Is there an argument to make them a two-seed? Honestly, no. I, no. Mean, I think it depends on who you play and... Yeah, I mean, their schedule's not that great. The, you know, the American Athletic Conference has a couple of good teams, but most of it's not that good, you know? Like, like when you have... Eastern oh, Carolina's on your schedule. Like, that's, you know, that doesn't that doesn't help anybody. Especially when the two seeds are teams like Kentucky and my pick to win it all, I'm still keeping it, Michigan. Like, Houston is really good in everything. They're very quality, I think. They pro probably make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Right now, they uh, they play their first round against UC Irvine. Then they would play the winner of Iowa and VCU. And then to get to the Sweet 16 would be most likely having to play North Carolina. Interesting. That right there, if the bracket were to be released what it is, I think Houston loses in the Sweet 16 in North Carolina. I agree with that. I agree. Let's uh, take a peek now as I uh, pull it up. The bracketology for the women. We have in our number one seeds, UConn, Baylor, Louisville, and Oregon. No Notre Dame? Nope. Notre Dame's currently ranked number five in the AP poll. Uh, so... They are a number. They are a two seed. Similar with the men, how, in my opinion, I would swap for the men, Kentucky and Virginia, and the women, I would put Notre Dame as a one seed, 
not really sure who you put swap them in with. Obviously, you would keep UConn as a one. Maybe, maybe Louisville. Yeah, probably. Baylor's currently one in the AP poll, and then Oregon's two. UConn's three. I don't know. I think that's. I think it's it's fair right now. Um, our number two seeds are Mississippi State, Marquette, Stanford, and then Notre Dame. Marquette seems to be the odd one out, but that Big East is always a challenging conference to navigate. So I'm not surprised that they're up there. Uh, for those curious, Missouri is number seven seed. They would be playing Utah in the first round, the Utes. And then they would play the winner of Notre Dame and potentially VCU. So they probably get smacked by Notre Dame. Well, not smacked. They keep it close against Notre Dame, but they they get beat. If they get past first round. Yeah, we always know how this team struggles in first rounds of tournaments with like Florida Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast last year. But I think after what happened last year and losing to for a Gulf Coast and you're predicted to go further in a tournament, I mean, you can chalk that up to you know, any team, especially in the first round, like UMBC, Virginia. Yeah, I mean, chalk that up to just complacency, you know. Interesting to note, uh, Missouri is not the only school in the state who has a potential tournament bid. Uh, Charlie Krim, the you know guy who does the women's bracketology, is having uh, Missouri State as uh, Missouri Valley Conference champions. They'll go in as the 13 seed in the Albany in the uh, Albany regional, um, and they would play Oregon State in the first round. Now I doubt that they get any upsets there, but it's still you know an an interesting thing to note that they could potentially get in. You know, interesting. So obviously this is not going to be the completed bracket, but looking at both the men's and the women's bracketology, if this were to be the official bracket, what interesting matchups do you see? Well, let's start with the men. I think uh, that Duke versus Baylor in the second round could be very compelling. I think if... uh, If... St. John's beats Ole Miss, which I think they could, and play Virginia. That's an underrated matchup. Uh, let's see. What else do I like here? Kentucky-Oklahoma is possible. Uh, Houston-North Carolina is going to be fun if that happens. Kansas-Michigan State, that could be a really fun one. Those are my compelling matchups for that. On the women's side, uh, I'm going to look at a potential for Baylor versus Texas A&M. An old Big That's tw- interesting. An old Big 12 rivalry renewed. Something I I think would be very fun to see. Uh, let's see what else is on there that I like. Um, potential Mizzou playing Notre Dame. Yeah, that'd be fun. The the first match that that uh, they have uh, for for Rice, um, a, a, an old rivalry here uh, that nobody really cares about anymore, but I do because I think it's cool. Rice versus Texas. In the in the words of, in the words of, President John F. Kennedy, why does Rice play Texas? <laughs> yeah, you, you know the the we choose to go to the moon speech. Uh, no, I do not know. So, so you, know, he, he, you know, John Kenny, uh, you know, when we started the space program, he he flies down to, uh, he, he flies down to, to Houston, and he stands in Rice Stadium. He gives this big, he, he gives this big speech, uh, and he's talking about, you know, why why do we do things? In uh, one one of the lines, he goes, "Why does Rice play Texas?" And this is back in the 60s. It still holds true today. Why does Rice play Texas? But they, uh, we choose to go to the moon not because it is easy, but because it is hard. You know? 
<laughs> Why does Rice play Texas? This is the most random thing I've ever heard in a presidential speech, and I love it. You know? I think Kentucky versus Maryland will be a, a, a compelling matchup. Um, I think Stanford-Kentucky, that, that's a potential big matchup if Kentucky can, be, can get past number three Maryland, uh, third seed Maryland, rather. Um, you have, you know, that old, uh, the SEC Pac-12 matchup that we don't get to see enough of, you know? I wish that SEC teams played the Pac-12 more. I think that'll be really fun, especially since, um, of course, a lot of my family, you know, went to USC. So, very compelling if, you know, if schools like Mizzou and the SEC play Pac-12, that definitely would be more interesting to watch, I would argue. One more that I'm going to point out, uh, I believe this would be a Sweet 16 matchup. If South Carolina can get past numbers, so, so they can get past 6C Michigan State, and North Carolina can get past two-seed Marquette, we could have a South Carolina-North Carolina game. And that's always fun, you know? So, before we go, because we only have a few minutes left, I gave my pick saying, for the men's, I'm saying Michigan's going to win it all, and the women's, I'm probably going to say Mississippi State. Mm. What about... Yeah, what are your men's and women's like early national championship picks? For the men, I'm gonna pick Duke, and for the women, I'm going to pick Baylor. I think the Baylor Bears are a good team. They they boss it up in the Big Twelve. They're ranked number one in the nation right now, above UConn. I think we could see them go all the way. Uh, Duke is just one of the best college basketball teams ever. You know. Well, that's going to do it here on KNC Sports. Tune in next week for more sports talk from us, and have a wonderful rest of your day.